Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Good for a Weekend, the podcast where two friends talk about Taylor Swift. I'm Cressy Cornis. And I'm Allie Klebus. And today we are going over Taylor's most iconic interviews. We scoured the internet, yes. the Reddits, <laughs> the YouTubes. All of the above. <laughs> we watched all of them and we came up with our favorites for you today. Yeah. Obviously, there is no limit to the amount of iconic interviews that Taylor has had over her life. So if you have thoughts at the end, if you think we missed one that you absolutely love, send it in. We'd love to know. This woman has given so many interviews. So this uh, this list could go on and on and on. Probably thousands. I was just thinking about like, well, consider like red carpet interviews too. Yeah. Just in a red carpet night, she probably gives at least 20, mm-hmm. maybe. I mean, there are so many. But with that, I guess we should just dive right in. We're going to go in chronological order and we're just going to take a crack at it. What do you think? Yeah, let's start with 2006. Taylor was 16 and this was a tour of her high school, kind of like this. (laughs) The cameras kind of followed her. Um, It started out with Scott Borchetta talking about all of Taylor's talents and it was so crazy yeah. to see him list them all like, oh, what was going to happen a decade and a half later. Yeah. He goes like, she's a songwriter first. She's a vocalist first. She's a model first or like something like that. Yeah. I thought it was weird that he, he said she was a model first. That struck me. I know. We're more focused on her talent than her looks. Obviously, yeah. looks help if you're a singer because just the way the industry works but it's like that shouldn't even be you know included yeah it was weird it's always a little weird too when the guy like scott borchetta what was he like 40 at that point or like i don't know an adult man yeah and she's 16 so after scott introduces taylor and says like she's a model she's a blah 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 we go to her house yeah and taylor's kind of playing like kind of like a spoiled brat role to her parents yeah which is really funny she talks about it how like is. she packs three outfit changes and her mom's like do you need to wear the choker <laughs> and she's like i'm wearing the choker mom yeah and then she's like i'm driving and she grabs the keys to the hummer yeah and then they like cut to the dad and he's like well all right like it's like the classic <laughs> passive dad yeah yeah and then it cuts immediately to her driving a hummer horribly we should add yeah driving it horribly i mean it's kind of humbling to like see because taylor swift is like so poised mm-hmm. now and like so well spoken and it's just like really funny to see her be a teenager like that you know but on top of that like other things that happened in this interview they like record her doing like, a whiteboard challenge with like a classmate and she goes oh what now because she like beats them and it's just really cringy yeah she's like we caught that on camera I'm like, yeah oh, taylor honey we don't you're not supposed to acknowledge the camera i know i know and it's just like could you imagine being like her classmate and having like because she's not super famous at this point she's maybe maybe the umbrella covers out i really don't know like maybe tim mcgraw yeah i mean to have this documentary at least tim mcgraw must be out i guess or she has to be picking up some amount of steam i don't know because it was kind of it had some cuts of her playing what looks like maybe like a dive bar or something yeah or an open mic and one of the songs she sang was Picture to Burn, but it did not sound like the Picture to Burn that we know. Yeah. So maybe this was getting hype for her debut and her debut hadn't come out yet. Yeah, because she had already like been doing some performances before her album came out. Yeah, maybe there were only like mixed CDs and stuff yeah. out at this point. Maybe it was a local news station or something like covering yeah. her. But yeah, because you just imagine being her classmate in high school like and having cameras come. I bet... She could have probably gotten bullied a little bit for that. But I mean, totally. do you even care at that point if you're getting like news coverage? 
I think it depends on if it's the local news or if it's like CBS. Yeah. You know, if it's like the local news where it's been the same anchor meteorologist your entire life and it's those guys, it's like, uh. yeah. But if it's like ABC, yeah, then I feel like other students would be into it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and she did probably have a record deal because it did start with Scott Borchetta. So. Yeah. So things were picking up. And also the way that it turned out, her being the most famous person in the world pretty much now. Mm-hmm. Would you call her the most famous person in the world? No, because there are Beatles that are still alive. Yeah. I would say she's... Um, English speaking, she might be top five. Yeah. She's up there. Yeah. Should we go on to the next interview? Yes. So we are jumping now to 2008, right after Taylor turns 19. Yes, she does an interview with The Boot, and the only reason I included this as an iconic interview is because it actually talks about the first time she bought red lipstick. (laughs) So it's not the interview. It was a day that changed the world. Yeah, it's not the interview that's iconic. It's the lipstick that is iconic. So the interviewer at one point asks, quote, part of the charm of love story is the just say yes refrain. When was the last time that you just said yes to trying something new? End quote. And then Taylor answers, quote, I bought red lipstick the other day. I'm the kind of person who's really modest with lipstick or any kind of color at all. And I think people are going to throw something at me if I wore red lipstick. But my best friend and I were in the makeup store and I just looked down and saw the red lipstick and said, I need a change. I'm doing it. I bought it and wore it out of the store, and I felt like I was making this daring change, end quote. I wonder what brand it was. I know. I mean, that must have been a really good lipstick. She's 19. Fearless is out. She has good money. She probably bought, Mm -hmm. like, an expensive brand at this point. Yeah. But I I know if I put on red lipstick in a store and just walked out, it would be all over my teeth. Yeah. Taylor, if you're listening, will you tell us if it got on your teeth? (laughs) I like what kind of makeup were you wearing beforehand to make this spontaneous? Yeah, we need change? to know the logistics. Yeah, like I, you can't just like put on red lipstick without like any other mascara. Do we think she was with Abigail? Probably. She said best friend. Yeah, and this is fearless age, or it could have been Selena Gomez. But it probably, if it was Selena Gomez, they probably would have said Selena Gomez. Yeah. So probably Abigail. All right, I know you're going to like this next one, Cressy. Do you want to take it away? Yes, so let's jump ahead to December 2013 with a um, familiar interviewer, a familiar person who has had Taylor on the show Mm -hmm. many times. And in today's age, we look at it differently. Yes. So it's, I think it's good for us to talk about this. Yeah. And of course, we were talking about Taylor on Ellen. Yes. Uh, I've been looking at a lot of old Ellen interviews differently, like lately. Like not Me just too. with Taylor. Like just looking back through the days. Because people loved Ellen. You know, like Ellen could do no wrong at one point. Yeah, she was untouchable. Yeah. She literally like everyone loved her. Like everyone's like, oh, she dances. She's so funny. She does pranks. Yeah. And then you like look back and it's like, oh my God, Ellen is a bully. Like, And everyone's deeply uncomfortable. Like, Yeah. I mean, it's really shocking. Do you want to describe what happened during this particular interview in December 2013? Yeah. So this is the one. This is post the Lorax. Uh, this is Taylor's red era. So she's got the long hair and the bangs. Uh, and they mention... That her previous time on Ellen, she was there with Zac Efron, mm-hmm. and they were promoting the Lorax. So a lot of this interview, Ellen is bringing it back to that, yeah. and how she thinks she and Zac dated, and Taylor's like, no, we never dated, and each time she's getting more and more uncomfortable. Yeah. And then she wants to find out who we are never, ever getting back together is about, because that was Taylor's lead single for Red. Mm-hmm. So it was big, big song. Yeah. And she gives Taylor a bell to ring anytime yeah. the ex-boyfriends, or it's it's not even just her ex-boyfriends. It's her. It's pictures of her with men, mm-hmm. and it's a slideshow, and she's telling Taylor, ring the bell 
if you wrote a song about this person for on red or we are never ever getting back together and it would be like her and john mayer her and taylor lautner her and joe jonas her and danny devito her and zach efron her and justin timberlake like also like married people yeah it yeah it was strange and taylor she was getting very flustered i don't think she knew at all that this was gonna happen yeah which is so crazy yeah, because there are, like, times where she puts her hands in her face, like, cringing. Like, I, she says over and over, like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to do this. And one of the things that struck me that she said, I wish I had typed this out word for word, but she basically said, like, who my songs are about, that's the one thing I have. Like, I share yeah. everything. I put it all in the lyrics, and people can guess about it, but, like, that's the one, that's the one thing I can hold on to yeah. is who they're about. Like, I'm not going to tell you who they're about. That's all I have. Yeah. And it just kept getting more and more uncomfortable. And the audience, of course, was loving it. Yeah. And Ellen, like, kept pushing, you know? Like, even yeah. after that. It, it was like, it's like a four-minute clip on YouTube. It should have been two minutes. Yeah. Like, she should have, like, caught a hint. Like, it's not even funny to begin with, but it would be more forgivable if it was, like, two and then Taylor starts cringing and then, like, Ellen just stops you know yeah and there's this really sad part where taylor goes you're making me really question my life choices right now like just putting all these pictures of me with men up yeah i feel like you do this every time i come on the show and it makes me really sad because it's never been the same guy yeah it's always a different group of men that she like puts pictures up of and that's just really sad because like she's 19 of course she's gonna date yeah. or even take pictures with other men most of them are just pictures with them so it was very shamey and i when i rewatched this today i had a big brain galaxy brain moment mm -hmm. where i thought did ellen start the whole taylor like dates too much thing I will like the whole time you were saying that like and Taylor has called herself a national lightning rod for slut shaming. What's so weird to me, like I could see how Ellen could be that person that started it. I mean, like probably a combination of Ellen and the tabloids, but Ellen went really hard every time Taylor was on there. I remember like she did do that with other stars, too. Like she's always been. Yeah, she like had a moment where like all she was doing was like asking celebrities who they were dating like I remember that was like a shtick of hers for a while but what's so interesting to me about this is Taylor is so vocal about being shamed for you know being slut shamed yet she seems to still be friends with Ellen you know like I mean friends as in I guess the last thing we probably saw was Ellen DeGeneres in Cruel Summer or Cruel Summer oh my god <laughs> Cruel she was getting the cruel summer tattooed on her oh that's why okay yeah cruel summer tattooed on her in the you need to calm down music video yeah it's very interesting in my mind i feel like any celebrity that went on there was forced by their publicist yeah it just does not seem like a fun time yeah you know we're looking back at this with with like a completely different lens yeah so we have yeah. to be clear on that like we are only being so critical of it because we know so much about Ellen that we did not know in 2013. So it's really interesting yeah. to go back and watch clips like this. Like, why did y'all go on this show? <laughs> yeah. Well, like even her, like she had a, Taylor's made a lot of appearances and Taylor was always like really good hearted about it. Yeah. Like, the time where Ellen scared her and mm -hmm. she like fell on the floor <laughs> like because she was so scared. And then like they did a whole like skit about the enchanted perfume like together like it was like kind of like an interpretive skit at one point taylor like, seemed to like really enjoy her time on ellen and then she sang that song with zach efron yeah and she promoted lover too on ellen yeah so it's it's just like it's it seems like they had like a work relationship that yeah. was like positive but it's just it's really interesting to like see this and be like okay what's that all about like to me if that was me and I was in Taylor's shoes and like that slide should happen especially knowing like Taylor's experience I would be that's like PTSD you know <laughs> like I feel like that's like PTSD inducing I should say like being a star not having that what we think was catching her off guard it sure looks like it and then, like, just being like, stop. Like, she was probably like, dear God, let this segment stop. Yeah. You know? 
Like, that's really stressful. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, at the time, like, what you signed up for when you go on Ellen. But it's it's just very cringy to watch now, especially knowing that Miss DeGeneres has since been replaced by the Kelly Clarkson show. <laughs> and it's no longer on the air. <laughs> yeah. And good for Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. Shout out to Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, we love you, Kelly. <laughs> so flashing forward to October 2014, Taylor goes on the Graham Norton show. And this interview is iconic because they really dive into the secret sessions. Because, in case you don't remember, 1989 was Taylor's first secret sessions. So I just think it's really interesting to see Taylor explain the concept live, you know? So she talks about how she would watch her fans for months and months cyber-stalking them. Taylor says, quote, Basically, I got this idea before I finished the album, and I wanted to call it the 1989 Secret Sessions. Because I knew before I finished the album that I was most proud of this album more than anything I've done before. And so I wanted to give fans a chance to hear it before it came out, like a month before it came out. And I'd never done this before, but I wanted it to be all fans who had never met me. And like, I've been to seven shows. I've never met you. I camped out on the street. I waited outside. I never saw you. I started a podcast. <laughs> I'm just Taylor. Taylor. Invite us over. Please. Anyways, she continues. Whatever. Like, I wanted it to be these people who have been so dedicated, (laughs) but I've never gotten to thank them in person, end quote. So after she says this, the interviews are, like, kind of joking with her, and they, like, are talking about how it's, like, a horrible idea, like, security-wise, and it's, you know, Taylor tries to, like, kind of keep explaining it and they keep talking over her which makes me a little mad but it's all in good fun I guess but finally she says quote I found them on the internet I would go online I would look at their Instagram pages or their Tumblr or their Twitter or whatever and just kind of watch them for months and months just sort of cyber stalk them and then I invited them over and they came end quote do you think Taylor has a burner account or do you think she has like an iPhone note of all of these different ads. I think she has a burner account. Although Wouldn't I think we catch would... on to that though. If there was an account yeah. that only followed people that had met Taylor. There's definitely people who have looked into that. I bet. Yeah. Like who've been trying. Cause like there are some straight up detectives out there. Like they would probably look like, okay, these, this is the common denominator among all mm-hmm. the accounts. What I keep thinking about, do you think like she cyber stalks someone for like months and months? And because some Swifties can be kind of mean or rude sometimes. Do you think, like, she ever cyber-stalked someone for a while and then they, like, said something negative on the account and she was like, all right, taking away that invite (laughs) for the secret session? Maybe. I mean, because, like, you know, like, there are some Swifty accounts out there that, like, you know, obviously it's mostly positive. They're a Swifty account. But occasionally they could be like, I'm so mad because of this. Or Or they could be like, Ariana Grande is a flop. Taylor outsold. Yeah. yeah, maybe they're, like, kind of mean about it. Yeah, like, pitting Taylor against other celebrities, other stan idols. Yeah, and could you imagine, like, I mean, I guess you would never know, but if you were, like, that close to being invited to the secret session. Yeah, but you said something mean about, like, Katy Perry. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like the secret sessions, like, getting that invite is almost like getting, like, a Willy Wonka ticket, like, to the candy factory. It feels that exclusive. It feels harder than that, because at least we can buy chocolate bars over and over. Yeah. And know that we didn't win. (laughs) Yeah, true. True. Anyways, moving on. Do you want to do this next one? Yeah, let's jump to February 2015. So Entertainment Tonight asked Taylor on the Grammys, like the red carpet, if she will be walking home with many men tonight, which it was worded so weirdly. Yeah. Well, we can do a reenactment. I have the script laid out. Do you want to be the interviewer or do you want to be Taylor? Uh, I'll be the interviewer since I've already said what they say. Okay. All right. Speaking of one of the greats, Taylor Swift with me right now. You look amazing. Can we just get a pan down of this dress? This, you said it's Elisav? Yeah, 
It is, and it's ombre, like ombre teal. It gets lighter to the bottom, and then I have purple shoes on, because why not? I just wanted to show the legs, because as I was telling you ahead of time, you were going to walk home with more than just a trophy tonight. I think lots of men. I'm not going to... Okay, there's a look of disbelief. I just cannot communicate that in... <laughs> a look of shock and appall. Yeah, like, but we just cannot communicate that in the podcast format. Then Taylor says... I'm not going to walk home with any men tonight. Then there's a pause. I'm going to go hang out with my friends, and then I go home to the cats. Men get me in trouble. I don't... Trouble with a capital T, right? C. Ugh. <laughs> Cringe. Like, the interviewer, I don't know if it's, like, out of panic or if they genuinely thought they were doing a good interview, but the interviewer is just, like, so unfazed by it. Mm-hmm. And then you, like, look at it later, and you're like... Woman, do you know what you just did? You have no idea what you've done. <laughs> yeah, like, because she's, like, kind of giggling and, like, whatever. And um, on the Entertainment Tonight, which we'll link on the website, the caption, all it says under, like, the YouTube video is, sorry, fellas. And it's like, okay, did they not realize? what? Ha- did they not see the look on Taylor's face? Yeah, there is a party that looks bad here, and I don't think they realize it's them. Yeah, and it's like, was that in, was this part in Miss Americana? I think so. I'm pretty sure it was. Like, I mean, that was awful. Even the part, like, even panning down on her legs, like. Yeah. That's, I don't know, I would feel kind of weird, you know, if they, like, asked, like, hey, can we get a shot of your legs? Maybe, but just putting a body part on a camera like that. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, they, I feel like they do that with all of the, the women on the red carpet. Yeah. But we don't need it. Just give us a full body shot. Yeah, you don't need, like, we don't need to see their We knees. don't need to pan down. It's weird. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. <sighs> Shall we move on? Yeah, I'm going to let you take this next one because I'm going to get pissed. (laughs) So in February of 2015, Taylor Swift and Carly Kloss have their best friend interview and cover for Vogue. If you want to learn more about why this was a thing, you can go back to our two-part series. It was our first, like, real episode besides our intro. We have the glory days and we have the demise of Taylor and Carly. Either way, you know, we just have to face it. Like, it is pretty iconic that as best friends, they got to share a cover of Vogue. Honestly, I'm going to change that phrasing. It was pretty lucky for Carly Claus <laughs> that she got to ride that gravy train, okay? Yeah. But if you want to learn more about it, like, there's, like, a whole video about them being best friends. Like, it's, like, a best friend quiz. Like, just go back to our two-parter episode. But that is an interview that happened that is pretty iconic. Yeah. But moving forward to a more fun Taylor interview with Vogue that doesn't involve she who shall not be named. (laughs) Let's just do rapid fire some of her answers to the 73 questions with Vogue. Because it's just like some fun facts about Taylor. I love these interviews. I watch so many of them. I watch so many 73 questions. Did you watch Adele's? I have not yet. I saw that and I have it. It's it's new, right? Like it just came out. Yeah, it just came out. Okay. I watched Lords and Lords was really cool. Like I really enjoyed Lords. But let's just go back and forth between some of her answers because I just think some of it's cool. Like I hadn't watched this in a while and I watched it and I was like, oh, I really like some of these. Okay. So let's start off with the fact that she says she's mostly getting ready for the Grammys and then says the most exciting thing in her life right now is the Grammys. And this was right before she won the album of the year for 1989. So she didn't even know what was about to happen. Yeah. And she won so many Grammys that night. So I just think it kind of shows like how, like how important the Grammys are to her. Yeah. And it's interesting because she says like, this is the most exciting thing in her life right now. And we know at the Kanye stuff was happening at that time, too. Yeah, true, true. So the next thing, the first song she ever learned on the guitar was Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer. Blank Space took her the least amount of time to write. All Too Well took her the longest amount of time to write because it was, quote, 
a really emotional song. I kept putting it down for months on end, end quote. And we're about to get that 10-minute version, which must have been why it took her the longest amount of time to write. Yeah, because it's 10 minutes long. Yeah. (laughs) She said if she could teach anything in school, it would be English. Shocker. Um, Her favorite cocktail is a vodka Diet Coke. (laughs) Okay, let's pause. Do we think she was forced to say this because she worked with Coke and she was, like, sponsored by them? Do we think they paid her a lot of money to say that anytime she was asked? Because vodka diet coke is disgusting. Yeah, I was like, uh, you're not going to say like some kind of martini. Like if you're even going for like a light cocktail, there's a Or if she wanted to say coke, she could have said rum and coke, jack and coke. Yeah. Whiskey coke. Vodka diet coke. Uh, Yeah. uh, And it's diet coke too. So it's like extra like. uh. Yeah. Very interesting. (laughs) Of all drinks. But also coke, if you're listening. Hey, fellow Atlantan, <laughs> want to sponsor GFA? I'll say my favorite drinks of vodka Diet Coke. We'll cut out this whole week. part. Yeah, we'll take out this whole yeah. section of the episode. We're holding it hostage <laughs> for your sponsorship. Also, side note, uh, the world of Coke, y'all really need a bar in there. I would go if yeah. there was like a cool bar with cool themed drinks around Coke. Just an idea my friend Serena and I talk about quite often. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, just some, some things for the Coke execs yeah. a few miles over. That would be really easy. All they have is like the big fountain room where it's like all the different types of Coke you could possibly Yeah, and want. apparently that's been closed because of COVID. So oh. what's the point of even going? Yeah. Oh, I hated when COVID, when they canceled like refills on fountain drinks and shit. I'm like, yeah, you're just cheap. Scam. You're just cheap. <laughs> like, yeah. Give me my fountain Diet Coke, not <laughs> vodka. But anyways. If she could eat anything every day, it would be chicken tenders. <laughs> I, thought, I I don't know. I just like it. But anyways, tendies. I cannot tell you the last time I had a chicken tender, but sounds good. I just like how simple the answer was, you know? Yeah. Could have been like caprese pizza or like, yeah, I don't know. What would your answer be, Allie? Probably chicken tenders or pizza. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like I, I really... Like, I love chicken tenders. She does say, like, if calories didn't count chicken tenders. Yeah. So I also think it's kind of interesting because what we know now about how she struggled with her body image, especially during 1989, I just, I find that a little interesting, Mm -hmm. you know? I hope she's eating chicken tenders as much as she wants these days. Yeah. So. (laughs) Mine would be a pepperoni pizza for sure. Uh, Yeah. I love a good pepperoni pizza. I literally never get tired of pizza like same i could have it every day i could eat it for breakfast every day like i yeah breakfast lunch dinner (laughs) cold pizza is elite yeah love it all Mm. (laughs) anyway she asked about one thing she needs to have in her fridge at any given time and it was hummus interesting her favorite movie is love actually i this is my favorite movie for christmas yeah like specifically christmas but I love that she loves that movie. It's a great movie. When she said that, I was like, <gasps> yeah, it was sweet. It was a sweet moment for me and my uh, parasocial relationship with Taylor Swift. <laughs> this is also the interview she shares that Calvin Harris planted an olive tree in her yard. You've heard this from The Last I Did Something Cressy. And also you can see the you have successfully buried yourself inside my head. End quote. Yeah. Which is framed on the wall, and it's in the background yes. of a shot. Yes. Her brother, Austin, calls her Teffy. <laughs> Always wondered why. I know. <laughs> Sounds like an old lady name. I It kind of makes me want to, like, the next concert I go to, to put, like, Teffy on it. Yeah. You know, like, maybe it'll catch her attention. <laughs> <laughs> her advice for anyone who wants to be a singer is to get a good lawyer. Shade. She said if she could raid one woman's closet, it would be Blake Lively's. Same. (laughs) Her favorite fashion trend is high-waisted stuff. Yeah, we know. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty (laughs) awesome. We picked it up. One goal she is determined to achieve in her lifetime is getting an honorary doctorate because Ed Sheeran has one and she feels like he looks down on her for not having one. How does Ed have one and not her? I had no idea. I feel like Taylor is well on her track for getting a doctorate. Like, because I feel like her attention to, like, English language and stuff, you know, like, I feel like 
she could get like an English writing degree for songwriting. She's the most iconic songwriter of our generation. You know, I feel like she's going to get a doctorate one day. Anyways, the last answer to share about the 73 questions for Vogue um, is that she said the most brave and spontaneous thing she's ever done is writing the Apple Music Letter. I don't think that would be her answer if she was asked that today. What do you think it would be? Leaving Big Machine. Yeah, probably. Do you think that was... That was certainly brave, but do you think that was spontaneous? Oh, true. Maybe if we're really thinking about spontaneous, dropping folklore. Yeah. Well, they asked it in two parts. So they asked, what is the most brave? And she said, Apple Music Letter. And then they said, what's the most spontaneous? She said, Apple Music Letter. Mm -hmm. So like it would Mm -hmm. be two different answers, technically. But she answered the same thing for both. And we'll get into this a little bit later. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about how her and Aaron started writing folklore which certainly was pretty spontaneous. So yeah, they were texting. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to take it away with the next interview? Yeah. So let's jump to August, 2019. This is on CBS Sunday morning and it's the interview where she is wearing the white collar shirt and she talks about the different vocabulary that is used for men and women in the industry. So Taylor says, quote, a man does something. It's strategic. A woman does the same thing. It's calculated. A man is allowed to react. A woman can only overreact. She also talks about Scooter Braun in this video and vocally gags when the interviewer says his name. That was probably a spontaneous thing that she did. Yeah. (laughs) She says that she found out that Scooter Braun bought her masters online and that no one on her team knew about it beforehand. When talking about Scott Bruschetta selling to Scooter, Taylor says that she and Scott Bruschetta, quote, We've had endless conversations about Scooter Braun, and he has 300 million reasons to conveniently forget those conversations, end quote. Taylor is, of course, referring to the $300 million price Scooter paid. She also talks about how stalkers will show up at her house armed or think they have an imaginary marriage. I I just think it's all so interesting. Yeah, like, didn't someone break into her house and sleep in her bed one night? yeah. Yeah, what it like, and it kind of because I think they like asked her at some point in the interview, and this was after all the talks about Scooter and Scott. They like asked her like, "So where are you these days?" And she was like, "I don't personally share because people will legitimately show up to my house like armed." Or when she like makes TikToks and or award acceptances, she does it in front of a blank wall. Yeah, so no one knows where she is. I just think that's really interesting because it can seem like something that's so uppity of celebrities to like be like, I don't want people to know where I am, you know, or and it's Mm -hmm. like legitimately security reasons. Like, could you imagine having the threat of people outside your house? She was like, all of my addresses are public. Yeah, that's terrifying. Like people visit Holiday House. Yeah. And take pictures of it from the beach. I think that's weird. Well, and I was just this is also side tangent made me think about that interview with Meghan Markle with Oprah and Harry and all them Mm -hmm. when they were like, the Royal family is no longer paying us for security. Like you're not going to pay them for security, you know, or like not going to pay for their security when they have a child. And like, as Mm -hmm. a, as a celebrity, especially on that kind of level, like the Royal family or Taylor Swift, you have to have security. Like, it's not like a question of, if you get security, it's like a question of like you like it's not even a question. You just have to have it. Yeah. Like anyone can break in a house if they really want to. It's so scary. Yeah. Like I just couldn't. Yeah. And someone did sleep in her bed or whatever. I don't know where that happened. Was that New York or? I don't remember. But she was fortunately somewhere else yeah. that night. So she didn't know about it until after. But still, could you imagine going back to that bed? I feel like you it would be it would take a long time to like be able to like be in that house again because like just thinking about all the little corners curtains things like that like I don't know like I get scared in my two-bedroom apartment in Auburn thinking that Mm -hmm. there's someone in my house that I don't know about and like being Taylor Swift obviously a bigger place probably a lot of places to hide I don't know I I think I would get really freaked out yeah it must be weird to like never feel safe alone yeah yeah because i love being alone that must suck 
They must have, like, security guards at her door, like, through the night, I would assume. Yeah. Every single night? That's insane. Like, she probably really has to. I don't know. That's that's wild. Yeah. Uh, But moving on, let's go to October 2019. This one's a pretty fun one. Taylor goes on Jimmy Fallon and gets a little surprise. Without Taylor's knowledge, her mom, Andrea Swift, sent Jimmy Fallon a video of Taylor after her laser eye surgery. <laughs> um, do you want to describe this video or do you want me to? I can. Okay. So basically, it's a clip of Taylor with these goggles on her face. Yeah. Like post laser goggles. Yeah. And uh, she has bleached hair, notably. So this was during Bleachella. It was kind of in a messy pony, and she's in a oversized sweater, and she looks disheveled, to say the least. This she... happened a long time, like, before it aired. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, this is Lover era, and Bleachella was yeah. around 1989. Yeah. And she wants a banana, <laughs> so she goes to get one from the bunch of bananas and she grabs the wrong one right or <laughs> yeah does her no like she grabs breaks. the wrong one and the top of it is ripped and she's like oh i didn't want this one and then she starts crying <laughs> and her mom's like you can't cry the doctor said you can't cry for like a certain amount of time she's like but i wanted the other one and her mom's <laughs> like i'll eat that one here yeah and she just kind of like cries in bed a little bit with her banana eating it, like lying down horizontally. <laughs> and she's like crying about the banana still. And her mom's like, you can't cry. <laughs> um. So after this is viewed, like Taylor's just straight up Wait, shocked. is this when, doesn't Taylor say something like, my mind is awake or something? Oh, yeah. She's like. My eyes are closed, but my mind is alive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I really didn't even think about her hair being bleached. I'm so happy you brought that up. So, like, that was, like, completely out of the blue. Yeah, she had no idea that was coming. Like, Bleachella to Lover era. Mm -hmm. How many years is that? I don't even want to be tested on there. (laughs) I don't want to. But that's a long time. So, after the video airs, like, Taylor's just straight up shocked and taylor responds quote oh my god that's on television (laughs) and then talking about her mom she says quote she was kind enough to drive me there but cruel enough to film it and give it to you and like they talk a lot about how like well jimmy talks a lot about how he stayed in touch with andrea and taylor's like what (laughs) like he like implies that he has her number yeah she's like no one has my mom's number. Like, why are you talking to my mom? <laughs> I thought it was funny. Jimmy Fallon said they watched it in the office about 20 times earlier. <laughs> so they're just like giggling about it. And then in the same interview, she mentioned how like really recently she drank two and a half mojitos and drunk Taylor was trending. So she was like basically saying, what the heck is this video going to do to me? And um, she says, uh, after a couple drinks, she, quote, legitimately thinks she's a wizard, end quote. I remember the day this was trending. The drunk Taylor? Yeah. She looks drunker than two and a half million. Yeah, that's a lie, Taylor, but we're going to, we, you definitely had some vodka Diet Cokes beforehand. <laughs> yeah. The game. You may like, have had two and a half mojitos at the event, but we know what happened. And she's like a tall girl, you know? So, yeah. like. Two and a half mojitos, Taylor. Yeah, we need a little bit more than that to be acting like that. Yeah, like she like sh- like she's singing her own songs and like sits down. Yeah, and, and her like, hair gets all crazy. Bounce. Yeah, it looks like more than two and a half mojitos yeah. for sure. We're not buying it, Taylor. But I liked how she said she legitimately thinks she's a wizard because that's such a dorky Taylor Swift thing to say. Yeah. Like that's so on brand for her. Yeah, and I feel like we've never seen her drunk ever, so... It's fun. Also in 2019, Taylor is interviewed with Vogue. And this is iconic because this is right before the age of folklore. And it's really the first time Taylor talks in depth about her positions on gay rights and sexism. Before you need to calm down, Taylor talks about a conversation she had with Todrick Hall that made her realize she had to do more to speak out about gay rights. 
Taylor says, quote, maybe a year or two ago, Todrick and I are in the car and he asked me, what would you do if your son was gay? The fact that he had to ask me shocked me and made me realize that I had not made my position clear enough or loud enough. She says, if my son was gay, he'd be gay. I don't understand the question, end quote. Yeah, I think that's um, really interesting, especially, you know, with what we talked about early. So in the interview, like in the um, description before, like this quote and everything, they talk about how in the mean music video, she has the kid that's most likely a bisexual or gay young kid in high school kind of getting bullied. Um, And then in Welcome to New York, she says, you can love who you want, boys and boys and girls and girls. So it kind of mentions those things, like as maybe some of the reasons why Taylor thought that her position was understood because she sang about it or included in her music video. I don't know. I just think it's kind of interesting that this conversation sparked what became you need to calm down, you know, and it's such a good way to like, I feel like with the album lover, it was a good opportunity for her to speak out about gay rights because the album is literally called lover, Mm -hmm. you know, like whether that, you know, you know, you have to hope that she's not doing that to increase her profits. Like, I don't think that's why she was doing it. I think she really just wanted to use her platform. You know what I mean? But like, I just think what an opportune moment to like talk about gay rights with yeah. an album called Lover, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Also, a friendly reminder that Taylor released the song You Need to Calm Down on June 14th, which was former President Trump's birthday. And when they recorded the video, everything was recorded in absolute silence so that the song wouldn't leak. She does that with all of her songs. Every single music video is done silent. I just think that's so funny to think about them dancing around like that and not like some people have never heard the song. Yeah, there are clips of the making behind the scenes of Endgame, like the party scenes. And there's just like like a soft beat that they had to like bounce to. It's really interesting. Yeah, I just I just think that's so funny to be like someone who is going through that or like who's on the set and is part of the music video and not even knowing the song that you're doing it to. I just, yeah, it's just hard to imagine. You would think they would probably, they probably knew the message of it though. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, surely if they like, you know, they, they have all these like iconic public figures, you know, in the LGBTQ plus community all on the same set. Yeah, you'd think they'd put two and two together. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's going to have something to do with those rights. And I think, like, in the interview, she also says how, like, the first part of the song is about, like, internet trolls and haters. The second part of the song is specifically, like, about gay rights. And then the last part of the song is about, like, women being pitted against each other. Mm -hmm. Which I, I mean, like, you kind of know that after watching the video, but I just think that's interesting to hear her put it in those ways because I never really, I saw it all as just a collection of everything, but I Mm -hmm. thought that was interesting that she said the song was broken up that way. Taylor also shares a really unique perspective on how her views on sexism changed the longer she was in the industry. Taylor said, quote, When I was a teenager, I would hear people talk about sexism and the music industry, and I'd be like, I don't see it. I don't understand. Then I realized that was because I was a kid. Men in the industry saw me as a kid. I was a lanky, scrawny, overexcited young girl who reminded them more of their little niece or their daughter than a successful woman in business or a colleague. The second I became a woman in people's perception was when I started seeing it. It's fine to infantilize a girl's success and say, how cute that she's having some hit songs. And she goes on, how cute that she's writing songs. But the second it becomes formidable, as soon as I started playing stadiums, when I started to look like a woman, that wasn't as cool anymore. It was when I started to have songs from Red come out and cross over, like I knew you were trouble and we are never, ever getting back together, end quote. I personally really love this her putting that perspective into it like when she was young because like she didn't speak out about sexism at that time or you know being slut shamed or things like that I just think like I had never thought of it that way like her over the course of her career I mean I I thought about it in terms of her success but it's literally going from being looked at as a kid to being looked at as a woman I just I found that like incredibly interesting at first Mm -hmm. like people saying like oh how cute you're making hit songs. How cute, how cute, how cute. Like I, that's undermining her talent at that age still, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I, 
I, I love this because I just I had never thought of it in this way until she said it. Yeah. And it makes so much sense. I agree. But moving on to our next interview. So this one is pretty recent. And shout out to Sophia for um, bringing this to our attention in the Swifty Confessions episode, part two or collection two of our Swifty Confessions. It's the iconic interview between Taylor Swift and Paul McCartney. As you know, if you listen to Swifty Confessions, I had not personally read the interview and I'm ashamed to say that (laughs) I can now say that I read it from beginning to end and it was worth every second but Taylor and Paul McCartney do a musicians on musicians interview with Rolling Stones also interestingly Olivia Rodrigo just came out with a musicians on musicians with Alanis Morissette which I think is really kind of cool yeah I guess because like the breakup anthems just like being I don't know I, I thought it was really cool but This was right at the end of 2020, and during this time, both Taylor and Paul had written albums over the course of the pandemic, as you know, with Taylor's Folklore and Evermore and Paul's McCartney 3. But just to, like, kind of put this in perspective, too, Paul McCartney came out with McCartney first, like, McCartney 1, in 1970, right after the Beatles broke up. Then McCartney 2 came out in 1980, so Paul, like, kind of talks about wanting McCartney 3 to come out, like, on, like, the decade mark. So, like, 2020 was perfect, um, which really just kind of speaks Taylor's language in terms of numerology. So Taylor explains to Paul in this interview why 13 is lucky for her. It's kind of interesting because, like, Paul is very aware of Taylor in the interview, but, like... There are some things that she explains that, like, I would say most of the world knows or... Maybe at yeah. least most of the, like, the United States know, like, 13 is her number and, you know, this and that. Like, it's kind of cute or cool to, like, see Paul ask these questions of Taylor and have her explain them to him. I don't know. I just feel like that must have been kind of humbling for her, too. I mean, it's Paul McCartney from the Beatles, yeah. so, like, she can't expect him to know everything she's doing. But Taylor explains to Paul why 13 is lucky to her. She also explains 89. He, he like, she says like 13 and 89 are really lucky. He's like, Oh, why 89? And she's like, 89 is when I was born. I don't know. I just loved it all. Um, and then she also mentions how Bonavere likes the number 22. Despite this interview being like iconic in itself, Taylor Swift and Paul McCartney, uh, Taylor also talks a lot with Paul about how she started writing folklore with Aaron Dessner. She says, quote, a lot of it was made with Aaron Dessner, who's in a band called The National that I really love. And I had met him at a concert a year before, and I had had a conversation with him asking him how he writes. It's my favorite thing to ask people who I'm a fan of. And he had an interesting answer. He said, all the band members live in different parts of the world. So I make tracks and I send them to our lead singer, Matt, and he writes the top line. I just remember thinking that is really efficient. And I kind of stored it in my brain as a future idea for a project. You know how you have these ideas. Maybe one day I'll do this. I always had it in my head. Maybe one day I'll work with Aaron Dessner. So when lockdown happened, I was in LA and we kind of got stuck there. It's not a terrible place to be stuck. We were there for four months maybe. And during that time, I sent an email to Aaron Dessner and I said, do you think you would want to work during this time? Because my brain is all scrambled and I need to make something. Even if we're just kind of making songs and we don't know what will happen. Yeah. And it turned out he had been writing instrumental tracks to keep from absolutely going crazy during the pandemic as well. So he sends me this file of probably 30 instrumentals. And the first one I opened ended up being a song called Cardigan. And it really happened rapid fire like that. He'd send me a track. He'd make new tracks, add to the folder. I would write the entire top line for the song and he wouldn't know what the song would be about, what it was going to be called, where I was going to put the chorus. I had originally thought maybe I'll make an album in the next year and put it out in January or something, but it ended up being done and we put it out in July. And I just thought there are no rules anymore because I used to put all these parameters around myself like... How will this song sound in a stadium? How will this song sound on radio? If you take away all the parameters, what do you make? And I guess the answer is folklore, end quote. Um, And then Paul, in response to this, also mentions how he's written some songs under the name The Fireman and Bernard Webb as well. And Taylor responds, quote, I love a pseudonym, (laughs) Um, end quote. Um, And then Paul goes on to explain, because of the ways... 
Americans pronounce Bernard, which it's probably the way that I'm pronouncing it. How yeah. do you think a British person pronounces it? I have no idea, but we all know I cannot do voices. Yeah. So I will not even try. We have people in the UK listening to us. Someone tell us how Yeah, send us a voice apps note. Yeah. Because of the way Americans pronounce Bernard, he changed his pseudonym to the fireman. In case you don't know what we're referring to, Taylor wrote, this is what you came for under the pseudonym Niles Shaborg. But Taylor also continues, says, quote, yeah, I think when a pseudonym comes in, it's when you still have a love for making the work and you don't want the work to become overshadowed by this thing that's been built around you based on what people know about you. And that's when it's really fun to create fake names and write under them, end quote. That's sweet. I love Especially it. Especially knowing William Bowery. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that secret was not kept very yeah. long or well. <laughs> but it's funny how she's like, I love a pseudonym. Because that was the first thing I thought. I was like, yeah, you do. You love William Bowery. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I didn't. I wasn't even thinking about William Bowery. I was only thinking about Niall Shaborg. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I read the whole thing and I, it wasn't just, I think I was like smiling the whole time. I was yeah. reading it. Like I literally was like glowing. So um, thank you, Sophia, for reminding us in Swifty Confessions just how iconic this interview was. It is icon behavior only. It is an explanation of uh, one of the most iconic albums of all time. And it is also the perfect interview to end this episode on. Yes. There's nothing more iconic than Taylor Swift and Paul McCartney. Absolutely not. And it's so unfortunate that we have to follow it with our nightmares and daydreams. <laughs> yeah. We have one more little bit before we completely close out. Uh, Ali, do you want to share your daydream this week? Yes. My daydream is the movie Dune. And what is uh, Dune for someone who doesn't know what a Dune is? <laughs> uh, Dune is basically like, I, I'm going to call it sci-fi. It takes place in space. Um, it's a book series. So my boyfriend, Sam, read Dune and the whatever other books. I, I have not read the books, um, but it is a series of books. And basically, it takes place in the future. And it like takes place in outer space. And it follows the main character, Paul, played by Timothy Chalamet. And basically, it talks about, um, oh, God, there's no way to explain this in a simple manner. <laughs> um... Sam used to talk to me about this book. He read it about, like, maybe two or three years ago now. And the way he explained it, I was always just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, like, I was like, okay. And I read Game of Thrones, okay? Like, I'm not, like, a, you know, I I'm a, I can nerd out to some literature. But basically, uh, there's this one planet in this, like, sci-fi world that has spice which is basically like a fuel that like everyone needs interesting i am familiar with the importance of spices i have written many papers about medieval spices <laughs> yeah it gives you kind of that medieval like feel but it's also in the future so yeah I don't, and there's like lords and like i don't know if they're called lords but there's like you know nobility and like an emperor i don't know but basically it's like this fight over this planet Zendaya's character, who everyone's mad about only being in the movie for seven minutes, she's like a native to this planet that's known for spice. She's going to be the main character of part two, right? Yeah. And that's what, okay. like, so everyone who's mad about it, like, you know, everyone who's like read the books or knows the story, like, knows, okay, Zendaya is going to be like the character in the next movie with Timothy as Paul, but like, She's going to play a much bigger role. It's just because of the way the books are. Like, they couldn't yeah. possibly have covered, like, her storyline yeah. in it, too. It was a long movie. I had to pee twice oh my in goodness. the movie theater. Yeah. But it was just really good. I was talking to a coworker earlier who's a big Star Wars fan. And I was like, I think Dune is better than Star Wars. But, um, yeah. honestly, it's just the best. Like, I kind of correlate it with, you know, like, the other popular series, like, Divergent, Hunger Games, okay. I and mean, we can even throw Harry Potter and Twilight in. In terms of visuals, in terms of, like, the sci-fi visuals and things, outstanding. Like, the best movie visuals I think I've ever seen in my life. Okay, I'll have to watch it. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I did not want to leave and pee. The only problem, I, I like, can't go to the movies in Atlanta. It's, like, a whole thing. Oh, really? You have, you have to 
like reserve a seat like a specific numbered seat yeah and they all sell out so it's like a whole oh. thing to go so i've never been to the movies in atlanta since i've lived here yeah. all three years but i've tried many times <laughs> and it's such a whole like i tried to see knives out in theaters Oh, that yeah. was the last movie I tried to see before the pandemic started. And yeah. all of the seats were reserved at like every single theater in Atlanta. Yeah, I, that's crazy. So I might have to see it the next time I go home or go to Auburn. It's definitely like a movie because of the visuals that's like so worth going to the theater yeah. for. And honestly, like the suspense, like I I went in thinking I would enjoy it. But like, I, I don't know. I didn't really... You know, I wasn't a big Dune fanatic yeah. or anything like that. Every scene I was fully invested in. Mm-hmm. Like, it was it was a very well-executed movie. Okay. Nice. Yes. Okay, what about yours? What's your daydream this week? My daydream this week is a fellow podcast. I really love this podcast called Maintenance Phase. Have you heard okay. of it, Allie? No. Okay, it's great. Um... So it's about debunking sort of like uh, like trends, junk science, like regarding wellness and diet culture. Okay, cool. So like they had a whole episode about Dr. Oz, mm. about the protein trend. Uh-huh. You know how like protein is a big thing? They go into yeah. how that started and how it's like not really real. Yeah. They basically just break down everything you've been taught, especially if you're a woman and you were taught things at a very young age, like about eating and whatnot. It, it just like tears it all apart. One of my favorite episodes, if you're interested in that, is our one on celery juice. It's fascinating. You would not think that celery juice is actually that interesting and not that like complicated of a backstory, but like the person who invented it, it's fascinating. Really? It's crazy. So you can really binge this series if you're into it. It's still active. They do one uh twice a month i think they did a really good one on the biggest loser that tv show oh my god but i think this this might ruffle some feathers of our listeners okay but i think my favorite episode from them they have a two-parter on rachel hollis really okay i've read yeah the girl wash your face girl that yeah i i'm very aware of who that is totally like break down her life and like the way she has contribu- contributed to like wellness culture and a toxic way. And it's fascinating. Cause I didn't know shit about Rachel Hollis before. I didn't know. Really? Anything. I knew that she wrote that book. Yeah. And I knew she did the whole Harriet Tubman thing. I knew about that, but I didn't know anything about her backstory or her life or her, all of the Wait, problematic. I don't stuff know about the Harriet wow. Tubman thing. What Harriet Tubman thing. Okay. Allie, you're just going to have to listen to part one and part two of it. We can't get into what Rachel Hollis said about Harriet Tubman. We just can't right now. You're just going to have to listen to part one and two <laughs> and get back to me. This, does this terrify anyone else? Like, I I mean, I was never like a big, I, I read her books. Like, that's it. Yeah. But I can't keep up with who gets canceled. Like, I literally, I need to do better. Like, I. Well, I mean, she's fine. She's still making money, but she did lose a Target deal, I think, over this. Really? Yeah. You got to oh listen God. to part one and two. Uh, G-Fall listeners, y'all listen and hop in the, uh off-topic part of our discord and we could talk about it yeah. y'all know we are not like the canceling kind of people so i don't yeah. want to come off that way or anything but it's very interesting to talk to them break down these things that i was taught at like a very young age like about yeah. like not even specifically like dieting but also wellness culture in general like like moon juice and like doing yoga and like you know like the one of the paltrow stuff and it's just yeah. fascinating and it's very good for me and it's very healthy for me to hear these things. Yeah. Like I need someone to break it down to me like in a very journalistic kind of way. Yeah. With all the sources. Like it's so well researched. So I highly recommend it, especially if that's a topic that you're interested in. That is crazy. I'm like shook right now. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start. I'm definitely going to listen. Well, because I, I need to start with the Rachel Hollis episode, but I literally... It's not straight up celery juice, but I have like a green juice in my fridge right now. So, 
Yeah, I mean, juice is good for you. It is, but it's it's yeah. not gonna like cure your cancer. <laughs> oh yeah, it's yeah, whatever. Like superfood miss, I guess. Yeah, it's so good. Maintenance phase. Yeah, All maintenance right. phase. You sold me. It's got Michael Hobbs. He's he was the former co-host of You're Wrong About You're Wrong About is another great show. But if you like You're Wrong About and Michael Hobbs, this is his other podcast. He's a former host of You're Wrong About. Uh, yes, he recently stepped down. I did not know this that. This was like a week or two ago. It's super new. Okay, because they kept saying in their most recent, I started listening to them because mm-hmm. me you and Hannah had talked about it. And because they said like, we're both working on big projects mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I did not know that he stepped down yet. Yeah. I'm not caught up. Wow. Okay, you just taught me three things like in the matter of <laughs> five minutes. You got to catch up on your podcast. Start with Rachel Hollis part one and two so we can talk about it. Because I have so many thoughts on how she fakes being Southern. It is fascinating yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like that's, like, the cool thing to do or, like, the yeah. different. I'm different, like, if you're, like, from California. But anyway, what is your nightmare? Wow. I'm, well, now I'm shook. I was going to say not knowing that people are canceled before. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that is a nightmare. Um, No, but my nightmare is actually... I've caught a bug, everyone. I've um, I've, the love bug has crawled up my leg, just like Fergie said, and bit me. Um, I hope people know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Fergie's song "Clumsy." Yeah, Go listen to that. But anyways, um, I am in love with Timothy Chalamet now. <laughs> I am about to break some news to you, Allie. Oh, not again, Cressy! I cannot handle this. It's pronounced Timothy. Okay, I was saying Timothy to Sam, and he said, no, it's Timothy. I actually Googled it while you were talking about Dune to make sure, and he said it's pronounced Timothy. Okay, good, because that's way hotter. He said <laughs> that to Teen Vogue, and it is pronounced Timothy Chalamet. Okay, good, because, like, I literally said it, and Sam laughed at me. He said, no, it's Timothy. It's just spelled cool. Okay, nope. I like Timothy. Yeah. Well, anyways, now he's even hotter because his name is pronounced Timothy. I'm sure he answers to both, and I'm sure it's fine. But I had to, I had to give you one more shocking fact of the episode. <laughs> no, honestly, that was like the validating fact for me. Good. I'm gonna go brag to Sam as soon as we put down these mics. It is Timothy. But I never understood the hype. Like I saw, like I mean, he obviously has an attractive face. Like I was like, okay, I get it. To me, he was just a little bit, like, young-looking, like, because he's still kind of, like, scrawny. He's our age. He's 25. Well, my age. But, like, I I don't know. He just looked always, like, young to me. But after seeing Dune, so this is related to my daydream. Yeah. I've caught it bad. I, I started, I literally did not even look up, like, I don't even know if he's on TikTok. I literally just searched the topic, Timothee Chalamet. Yeah. In, like, TikTok just to see videos related Oh my gosh, him. you're down bad. <laughs> I'm down bad. And I, w- I was on that page for a while. Like, yeah. longer than I care to admit. Um, But that's my nightmare. I've, I've caught it bad. I get, like, really bad, like, crushes on celebrities sometimes. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it, like, consumes me. But he's a good-looking man. Yeah, he is cute. And he's a good actor. So you could be crushing on worse. Yeah. And he dresses well like and his name is pronounced timothy yeah so oh stella just made an appearance that means it's time to wrap up oh no i gotta tell y'all my nightmare before she starts making loud noises okay what is your nightmare so my nightmare is this tiktok trend um i don't know what exactly it's called but it's those those hair wrap things oh that you can curl your hair with heatless like you braid your hair I tried it and it didn't work. It looked really bad. (laughs) So I'm just letting y'all know right now. I watched all the videos. I watched all the tutorials. I listened to all the instructions, all the testimonials. And I was like, okay, I know how to do this. I did it correctly. I followed it all to a T and it still looked like shit. So just wanted to throw that out there. Don't believe everything you see on social media. Maybe it's my specific kind of hair texture. I don't know. It's weird because I feel like I hold a curl really well when I do my hair. So I was expecting it to look great. You know, like if I sleep with my hair in a braid, it'll be nice and wavy the next day. So I was like, oh, this is great. This is just going to make it a little bit more bouncy. Nope. I I sent Allie pictures. It did nothing. Yeah, I was going to say, you sent me like five pictures. You were very excited. Yeah. And then the (laughs) after pictures, it's like, womp. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't look like anything. Yeah. And it was very uncomfortable, too. 
no. I had neck pain from it. Yeah. Anyway. At least you did it on a work day and not like a weekend day where you were yeah. like counting on it working. Oh my gosh, I would have died. But anyway, thank you for listening to another episode of Good for a Weekend, the podcast where two friends talk about Taylor Swift and Stella announces when it's over. <laughs> Yes, if you would like to follow us on social media, we are at GFA Weekend on Twitter and Instagram and at Good For A Weekend Podcast on TikTok. You can also find us on Reddit at r slash Good For A Weekend. You can also join our Discord if you check out our show notes. Am I missing one? We have all the sources on our website. All the videos that we mentioned today, specifically the anonymous interview where Taylor brought cameras to her uh, high school. You can find that on gfaweekend.com. If you could leave us a review, we would really appreciate it. We'll give you a follow if you do. We're very loyal followers. We do fun story games sometimes. Yes. And I think that pretty much wraps it up. Thank you guys for listening. All right. Thank you for listening. G-Fa out.